The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. I'm going to go ahead and get started. Um, so my name is Becca, and my husband and I have gone to Park for about five years. Um, so we've we've been around. You probably have seen us in Park Kids if you have kids, and that ends up being where we are around most often. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about the book of Hosea. Um, my hope is that you, if you've ever read the book of Hosea, it's 14 chapters long. We're not going to conquer that tonight. Um, but my hope is that you guys will be able to take this back and finish the book either on your own or with maybe a cohort or a couple of other people in your gospel communities. Um, I, I think too often women don't study the Bible for themselves, and, and I just want to give you all the tools that I have to encourage you to do that more. Um, <clears throat> I think for me, I've lived much of my life with shame, um, particularly around studying the Bible. I think I have spent a whole lot of time feeling like I just didn't do it enough, or I should do it better, or... And, and I just want to spend a minute talking about the fact that that is not um, from God at all. Um, the, the truth is that um, those words are from Satan. Um, the projector is a little hard to see with the light, but um, shame is a lie that seeks to tell you that you're not good enough. And um, the truth is that in the gospel... Um, we are everything not because of ourselves, but because of who Christ is. So I just want to encourage you that despite anything that you, any times that you're, oh, thank you. I had a chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, despite any, any of your past, the, the days you haven't studied, whether it's been days, weeks, months, or years, um, don't, don't let that get you from, from studying today. Because that is a lie from Satan and not from God. Um, <clears throat> if you read in First John, he talks a lot about abiding. And it, we've been studying it in our gospel community. And one of the things to me that's really striking to me is that it's a passive thing. Abiding is not a, necessarily an action. You're not going out and doing something. It's, it's being in the presence of God and being transformed by that. And so I'd encourage you to kind of focus on that as you study scripture, that you're seeking to abide in him. Um, we, in our culture, I think a lot of times have it backwards. We go look at John Piper or Calvin or Matt Chandler or insert other fancy theologian here and then have them tell us what we should understand from the Bible. And it's not that Schaefer or Chandler or Calvin are bad, but you have to start with the Bible and ask your, your hard questions, um, whatever the question is, of, of the text that God has given you to tell you about who he is, um, rather than starting from the other person. Um, so no matter what the resources are, I just always want to encourage you to use discernment. Um, I'm going to kind of lay out for you a way that has been really helpful for me in studying the text from within the text. Um, but whatever resources you use, just remember um, to use discernment and always hold it up back to the word. Um, not the word to John Piper or the word to Calvin, but Calvin to the word. 
because the word is what is truth. It's the means by which God has um, called us to know him. Um, so the truth is that um, you have all of the tools you need in the text itself. Um, the, the word of God, the Bible, is powerful in its own right. Um, it is the double-edged sword that can split bone from marrow. So, so in its own right, just sitting down with the Bible in front of you, it is powerful. Um, we are never studying alone, regardless of whether we're a believer or not. We have the helper who has come, and the Holy Spirit seeks to reveal who God is to us. And he has chosen primarily to do that through his word, but we do have the helper with us. Um, God desires to be known, and it is his word that is the primary source through which he has revealed himself. So remember, we haven't even started talking about our role in this. God on his own stance, like on, on his own as he's revealed himself, desires to be known by you, and that is the primary tool through which you have to study scripture. Again, it has nothing to do with you, but the Holy Spirit and his word, which he has ordained to tell you all about him. Um, so if you look at the text that you have in front of you, you all have the book of Hosea. Um, this is the entire book. So again, we're not going to get all the way through it, but I would just encourage you to take it home and keep going. If you want an extra one to take to give to someone else um, to do it with you, I'd encourage you. There's plenty of copies around and there's more on the back. Um, it, it can be a great thing, especially in community, to just begin chipping away at it. Um, so the first thing I do, and I'm going to unpack the first, basically the first verse here is, is I kind of start identifying like what things stick out to me or what words don't I understand or are there people that I don't know? So if you look here, um, I have all of the names of the folks that are, are in this very first chunk. And I actually went through and I looked them all up and the bulk of my study came just through searching in my Bible app for the name Uzziah or the name Hosea or the name Hezekiah. Um, so it's, I didn't use a whole lot of extra resources. I did, there were a couple of things I looked up. There's a basic Bible dictionary back there. Um, Bible dictionaries are great resources because they're generally unbiased. Like they're not seeking to tell you some theological thing, but they'll tell you who Hosea was and where he fit in the context of, of scripture. Um, but most of, most of this stuff I did actually just, just looking at Hosea. So if you, um, sorry, the light is, that light is really inconvenient for my purposes tonight. But um, one of the things that I found really interesting is you have these kings here. And the kings are actually a pretty significant mix of good kings and bad. Um, but all four of the, the kings under Judah, which was a tribe of Israel, we'll, we'll get there. Um, they actually are all named in Christ's lineage. So I think it's really interesting that you, you take these four kings and the only other like, consistency through them is that they, they are part of the line of Christ. Um, so that God would ordain that Hosea prophesying hundreds of years before Christ would actually be part of the story that we would later know of who God is. Um, so... In digging through Israel, you kind of have to go backwards. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, um, as, as you go backwards, so you find out that Israel was the second name given to Jacob. 
and Jacob was the son um, of Isaac and Isaac the son of Abraham. And as you start to put those pieces together, again, just by using the search function in my Bible app, um, you find that there's a covenant that was said first to Abraham and then to Isaac and then continued again through Jacob, um, who then became Israel. And with Abraham it starts, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. You shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And then Isaac And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So then again to Jacob, later Israel. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So in hindsight, we know that that blessing comes ultimately in Jesus. And so when you see this line, these these this combination of wicked and good kings, you actually see a piece of that fruition coming about, that covenant that God promised Abraham, and then later Isaac and Jacob. Um, So this is just something that I did for lineage. Can you drop that down? Sorry. Um, So I just... Sometimes you, you just need to see things laid out, especially I feel like in the Old Testament, sometimes you get a lot of crossways and things going on. So I just put it down on paper. You have Abraham who's married to Sarah, and then Isaac who married Rebecca, and then Isaac had Esau and Jacob, and Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob married Rachel, and then Leah, and had 12 kids. These 12 kids become the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. And we see them throughout the book of Hosea coming in different forms. Um, so understanding, though, this little bit of kind of the history of the Old Testament sets a stage for us for the book of Hosea as a whole. So Judah and Israel, at one point, Judah is one of the tribes, but there becomes a rift in the kingdoms, and so they split. And Judah is one of them, and Israel is the other. And Judah at one point was faithful, and Israel was not. And so you see Hosea, who is actually called to proclaim this truth to the nation of Israel. But you'll hear through, about Judah all throughout. Um, so I mentioned that it's through this covenant that God made with Abraham that eventually we see this blessing to all nations through Christ. And then in hindsight... Um, we, we start to understand a little more of how that laid out. Israel became a nation um, through God's faithfulness, not because of some like magical work. Like They didn't get it all right. Hosea is a testimony to the fact that they actually largely got it all wrong. Um, but in God's faithfulness and mercy, he, he brings about redemption. So on your guys' table, and this, this will come about after you spend a little bit of time studying um, there are, I think, five questions, or four questions. Um, and I answered a couple of them for this first text for myself, because I think it's, it's going to be important that you have, like um, Kyle mentioned downstairs, that you have these hard conversations with each other as we seek to get to know other women at Park. Um, so one of them is, like, what does, God te- what does this text tell you about God? Um, for me, this, giant, this little chunk tells me that um, God is faithful, and he keeps his promises. 
So through wicked kings and good kings, like he still brought about his, his glory. Um, what does this text tell me about me? Um, that God can use me on my worst days. Um, and then more personally, that someday I might be able to have kids. Um, my husband and I would love to have kids, and God, that has just not been a gift that God has given us. But as I was digging through the lineage of Judah and Isaiah, or in Israel, <clears throat> you find that there's actually several women who are completely barren and have children either really late in, in age or um, through completely ridiculous means. Um, the book of Genesis is nothing if not soap or, a soap opera-esque drama. It's <laughs> totally worth reading just to kind of see how all of this unfolds. Um, and then um, what does the text tell me about the world? That God is in control. Um, I think you see this most in King Ahaz, who is super wicked, and yet God brings about redemption ultimately through his line. And then what needs to change? I think that I just need to have more hope. And so I just encourage you as you're kind of digging into the text to remember these questions and kind of ponder, like, what are these things telling you about who God is, about who you are, about the gospel, and then about the world? And obviously, like, a significant thing about studying scripture is it should bring about change, um, even if just transformation and knowing who God is better. Um, so I just want to encourage you now to dig in. You have the text in front of you. You have a plethora of pretty colorful things. Um, I scribble, you guys saw some of my colors. I scribble all over mine. Um, and it, it gets kind of messy. But for me, manuscript studies give me the opportunity to be messy and make, uh, there's no consequences. It's not gonna be my, my Bible forever for the rest of my life. So, so have at it, dig in. And then we're gonna come back together as a group and then I'm gonna break you guys up into your small groups. So you have about 10 minutes, I think, yeah. About 10 minutes to dig in. So what were some of the things that you guys noticed? Questions that you had, words that popped out at you? Three children, three children. I would not want to be him. Right? Right? They're kind of wicked. Um, One of the things that I thought was interesting, though, is if you look up Jezreel, Jezreel is actually a fertile kind of implication. Like, the Jezreel Valley is known as a very fertile place. And so... um, interesting to me that like he's a reminding of God's provision and at the same time pronouncing a judgment on them what other things any other words that popped out I had a question in the second one yeah about, in the second like so starting with line 10 so I think part of this and I've I've been through the the whole book several times like just trying to figure that out is at various points you see in the history of Israel that there are times when Judah has it together 
and Judah definitely seems to have it together more often than Israel. So um, the kingdoms are divided. And so I think at this point he's saying, unlike Judah, you have, you have walked away. You have forsaken your God. And because of that, I will, I will pour out justice on you. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Any other questions that came up? In the last um, Chick-fil-A 16, it seems like we've shifted speaker. Um, God's speaking through Hosea, and then all of a sudden you get this sort of like big you said in line 16? Yeah. There's a promise that switches from judgment yeah. to promise. But you don't have the quotation. Sorry, yeah. teacher. Yeah, no, you know, do the quotation marks. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, it's, it's obviously the Lord is speaking because of the quotation marks, but then you don't have the quotation marks in the middle, which means that there's somebody else speaking. It's not clear who that is. So I think in part, it's, it's actually Hosea quoting something. That it, it's him going back because this is almost verbatim the Abrahamic covenant or the, 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 the promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's coming back to, um, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And that's, that's coming almost exactly from, I think it's Genesis 26. So I think he's, he's very clearly tying back, like God is pronouncing judgment, but God is also faithful. And, and so again, it, I think it's interesting that he lines those two things up. Do okay. you read through the whole book before you go back and break the part? So I do both. Um, I and one of the things that I would recommend to you when you're doing any Bible study is is reading through the whole book maybe once a week. Um, if it's a shorter book like Jude or something, you could do it every day. Yeah. Um, but making sure to keep these sections that you're studying in the greater context. Um, the first couple of chapters or pages of Hosea are pretty crowded. Like there's a ton going on and a lot of content. And then when you get into the latter sections, you can dig into some of the specific terminology they're using or whatever. But um, in large part, it, he's painting with very broad strokes and he's coming back. He's circling around back to the same point over and over again. Um, so you'll see this kind of cyclical pattern of here's the story of Hosea and Gomer, which is relating sort of to this other story over here of Israel. And it's God very much living his life through this poor man who is told to marry a prostitute. And he's told in advance, she's going to leave you and you're going to have to go pay for her to come back. But as you kind of see that in the whole context, then as you dig in, it kind of starts to make more sense and you start to see those patterns develop. Um, so I have up here, um, there were a couple words that stuck out to me. Um, one of them is bow in like line nine. Um, and I thought it was interesting that he was using a kind of term of war there. Um, also the word land up in line four. Um, so I just did a couple of word searches and land is often used for nation. So he's probably not talking about a physical place, but a nation of people who are geographically centralized. And then Bo, um, I think he's telling Israel in, this, in the context of this line, like, you, 
you will not be able to defend yourself because I will not let you. Um, I will take away the instruments of war that you use to defend yourself and I will actually bring war to you. Um, so I just encourage you, like, ask those questions. If a word doesn't make sense in a certain context, like, that's okay. Like, ask the question. Um, there is no question that you can ask of the text that scares God. Does it matter what books line your library walls, whether it's theological volumes or um, scandalous romance novels? Like, it, you cannot scare him with your questions, and you are not less capable of studying his word because you have been to seminary or more capable because you haven't or vice versa. Um, so I just want to encourage you. That's, those are good things. So um, the other thing that I want to, that is super helpful for me is I try to summarize maybe paragraphs or chunks, like as I've gone through something and just put it in my own words. In general, it helps me kind of go back. So, so for that first section I did, I wrote Yahweh, which is, you'll see Lord is in small caps all throughout. That's just God referring to his name that he has given himself, which is I am. So I am who I am. So he's not defined by anything we can put our hands on, but he's defined by himself. So Yahweh spoke to Hosea in a time after Israel had demonstrated or um, had demanded a king. So this, is, this was a significant point in Israel's history, and you'll read about it again in Hosea, where Israel no longer wanted to be ruled purely by God. They demanded a king. And so they chose this lesser form of ruling, and so Israel has already begun their rebellion, if you will. And so I think you can get lost in, like, who's Hezekiah? Who's Uzziah? Who's, like... And so I want to encourage you throughout Hosea not to get lost in the details. Um, certainly you can dig in, but um, I think Hosea really does paint with broad strokes and seeing that is, is valuable. Um, so if you guys will take a minute and ask the questions that are on your table. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring you all back one more time. Um, so I just wanted to read this. I feel like the one, the one hard part about jumping into Hosea is that this first section is a little bleak. Um, and so I just wanted to read a teaser, even just from chapter two, just get a little further on. And you have, um, and in that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband and no longer will you call me my Baal, which is um, referring to the other gods. For I will remove the name um, of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the, with the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will, ab and I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. So this, this story, we were, we were talking about redeeming love. If any of you have read Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers, you know her like personification of this text is this very beautiful love story, but it is no more beautiful than the text that 
Christ laid out. Like Francine Rivers certainly modernized it and made it a little more approachable to us, but um, God uses this man, Hosea, to tell a beautiful love story of not just the redemption of Gomer, but the redemption of all mankind. Um, the, The plan that he had from the dawn of time to redeem his people, and that is us. So as you read, as you study, just remember that God has gone to extreme circumstances to woo you, his bride. Um, that he loves you, and, and as you read these things, and as you read Israel's redempt, or rebellion, and God's, by his own hand, bringing them back even when they almost refused, um, over and over again, remember that in your darkest moments, God is there fighting for you, and he will draw you back to himself, because you are his. Um, so... I, at the back of your stuff that I gave you, there's a bunch of questions, and you probably saw them already. Um, there, it's not a neat little, like, anagram you can remember, or, but they're, they're questions that will help you dig deeper. And you won't necessarily be able to answer each one in each section, but as you study the book, they'll all kind of give you pieces to the whole. But make sure that as you study that you don't lose sight of the last questions that talk about how this applies to the gospel and to you. Um, Because as you abide in God, he desires to see you changed. And it's a beautiful, amazing thing. Um, But don't don't lose sight of that. That is where you get into, like, the Philistines and the um, Pharisees who knew the law, but they didn't actually know who God was. So, So spend time... Not the Philistines, just the Pharisees. Sorry. Um, Kyle will want me to tell you to fill these out. If you didn't bring them up, I have some. Um, And I'm just going to pray for you guys, and then you can go. Um, Father, thank you so much for your goodness, um, for your generous provision. Thank you um, that you have given us your word, and that in the midst of our brokenness, you have fought to redeem us. Father, I just ask that you would use your word to transform us, that even when it has been weeks, months, even years since we have cracked open your word or spent time studying or praying or knowing, seeking to know you better, that you would um, protect us, rid us of any guilt that is not from you, that we would see your desire to, to reveal yourself to us. Thank you for your goodness, Father, for each of these women here and for Park Church. Just pray that we would be transformed by your love. Amen.